0: Will set you free. Headline Edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. be <laughs> Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where we bring you disclosure, one guest at a time. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. Tonight's special guest is someone many of you have read about and enjoyed his books and threads at a number of internet forums. To many of you, you know him by the pseudonym of Sleeper. Lou Bolden, author of In League with a UFO and a Day with an Extraterrestrial, will be with us shortly. And guess what? Our friend John Lear will do us the honor of introducing Lou. I want to thank all our new Veritas members. You are keeping Veritas alive. This week's Manticore Forum question is: When did you wake up about the reality of UFOs? The Veritas show is syndicated by the following affiliates. Rock's Zero Point Radio, the Black Vault Radio Network, and the Paranormal Radio Network, 105.8 FM, New Orleans. If you need to get in touch with me with questions, feedback, or simply to say hello, send me an email to m e l at veritashow.com. For the latest news, visit our blog. And now, get ready to experience a mental paradigm shift. What you are about to hear May shake some of your foundations, but that is part of the awakening process. You may have heard of plenty of people, but as John Lear says, Lou is the real deal. John Lear and Lou Balden are next. This is Mel Fabrigas, and you're listening to the Very Show. Don't go anywhere.
1: Uh, this is Cliff High from Urbansurvival.com and you're listening to The Veritas Show.
0: And before we proceed with our interview with Lou Baldwin, I have someone who would like to introduce him to you. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend John Lear. Hello John, how are you?
2: Hi Mal, how's it going? You know, a few years ago I started reading a thread on ATS called Are Extraterrestrials Real? As real as the nose on your face. When I got to page 20, I instinctively knew that this information was real. And how did I know? Well, to go back 25 years, when I first started looking at this UFO question in 1985, after having read Bud Hopkins' Missing Time, a book by uh, Bud Hopkins uh, that you could not put down because of the evidence he presented, then Whitley Strieber's book Communion came out and added truth to Bud's book. I then fell into a whirlwind of non-stop investigation, and uh, since we didn't have much of an in- internet in those days, it meant using snail mail and a lot of driving around for interviews. I drove throughout Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, meeting what were then the big names in ufology, Bill Steiman, Bill Hamilton... Paul Benowitz, Tom Adams, Linda Howe, Chris Lambright, Colonel Ernie Edwards, Clifford Stone, and a curious fellow named Jim Spicer, who ran a forum called Paranet, and who tried to get me to go into a UFO hoax with him. I refused, but through Paranet, I met Bill Cooper and there were many others that I met and listened to, and I can safely say there weren't many UFO stories I hadn't heard. Then came the channelers like the h Command and Jay-Z Knight and Ramtha. Piles and piles of information accumulated until I had one four-drawer legal-sized file cabinet completely full and filed with information. Then Bob Lazar came along and gave me a huge information dump. I thought that would be the end of any real secret information I would ever get. However, as I got to about page 20 on our extraterrestrials' real thread, read both of Lou's books, A Day with an Extraterrestrial and In League with a UFO, and then the follow-on thread on ATS, then Lou's own forum, Extraterrestrial Speak, I knew that this information was real. Now there are about 6, 5, 6.5 billion people on this planet who will never read or have this information, and will stumble around. Most of who don't even care what's going on, other than that they have to feed themselves and their family. For the few that do care about what's going on, they will uh, most will read loose stuff and, and uh, <coughs> dismiss it as baloney. But the minuscule amount of people I am guessing less than a thousand know instinctively that what Lou says is the truth and one of those thousand I think uh, uh, as one of those thousand I think the information is exciting mind expanding stimulating and absolutely without a doubt true secretly I think Lou brought this information just for me because of those thousand people I mentioned many don't understand the true nature of Lou's information and its implication that uh, is live your life with integrity and without envy hate or greed and the reason I say not many understand the true nature uh, and implication is because I see so many questions to Lou that always start out well what about or what if I or well does that mean they're always trying to find a way around but there are no if ands or buts live your life with integrity and without envy, hate, or greed. Now, Lou didn't answer every question, and many times was evasive. But this is because he knows the limit of what we should be told. Lou once said, and I quote, All humans have the capacity to know inside their soul, the first step to unlocking the information is believing that it's possible the only danger is that if you become too enlightened while on earth you can also become an outcast because you still have to live around people that are not and people are uncomfortable around people that are different your true life is here also what you do on this plane of existence is part of what you are knowing that real truth is not essential but it helps but one of the best quotes i like Uh, that Lou said was we are each unique individuals with souls forged in celestial furnaces by God.
0: Outstanding. And now to put the rumor to rest uh, John you're not Sleeper are you?
2: No. (laughs) Sleeper secretly lives in Kansas City and I live in Las Vegas.
0: That's right. And, folks, just to let you know, I was referred to to Sleeper one night when I heard John Lear talk about him on Coast to Coast AM. And ever since, I could not stop. So the opportunity to to, uh, interview Lou for the first time, to be on radio discussing his two books, to me, it's a privilege and an honor. And to have John Lear do the introduction, well, that's the cherry on the cake. John Lear, thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Mel. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello, Lou, and welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? I'm doing good, Mel. Thank you. It's my pleasure having you on. First of all, I want to thank you for accepting our invitation. Is is this your first time on radio, Lou? Uh, Fifteen years ago, I was on a radio show. We're very privileged to talk to people for the first time after a few years of being away. In the past few years... You have been active, Lou, and sharing information and answering questions at a number of internet forums. However, people have never heard of your story from your own voice, I believe. As a matter of fact, some people out there still believe you might be John Lear. What do you say to those? Mm -mm, uh, John Lear? Uh, (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, obviously
1: I've got my picture on my book. Right. Some other places, so I don't think we look completely alike.
0: And the voices are very different, different too. In any event, I'm very happy that you accepted my invitation. I hope to discuss as much as we possibly can tonight. As we usually do first, Lou, with first-time guests, and to put things in perspective, give us a background, your time as a child in Italy, your time in the U.S. military, and what experiences shaped you into who you are today and why you're here on the show.
1: Uh, well, as a child in Italy, um it was a few years after the Second World War and uh, Italy was still a little shell shocked. Uh, but uh I I I don't know, I felt fairly normal. Uh I do remember coming to this planet, um uh, being put into uh into the family that I grew up with. Uh I know that that's a little tough to
0: talk about and and for people to even believe. Um, Yeah, for the layman, the layman out there listening to this, trying to explain this might be a little bit difficult. So why don't you explain what you're referring to in terms of you came here?
1: Well, um, I remember seeing the planet uh, and then being brought into the planet. I've also, during the time that I was growing up, experienced these beings that uh, originally brought me here. They would take me from my
0: room, and uh, we would uh, just go places. Okay. And in other words, let me see if I understand correctly. You were placed here to your, let's call her a biological mother. So you were not conceived on Earth, but you were born. Let's. Well, I don't even know if I should use the word "born" because that that implies other things.
1: No, I, I was born. You um, were born here. My my mother was, you know, abducted, and the fetus was exchanged. And
0: in other words, was was it her ova mixed with alien? Are you a hybrid? Is basically what I'm trying to say, or are you a full alien? No, I think I'm a full human. Okay. And why is it that you look human? Because I am a human. And the reason why I say this, bear in mind, I'm I'm speaking from the perspective of conventional wisdom, from somebody who does not have or is privileged enough to have the exposure that you've had through the years. So there are aliens that look just like us, is what you're saying.
1: Well, technically, you know, we're kind of all aliens because none of us, at least soul-wise, is from this planet. Uh, we come from other places. We are inserted into a fetus, and
0: we start paying taxes at a certain stage in life. hmm And when you're saying paying taxes, basically paying dues and... The souls come here. And this interview is going to be, I'm going to be all over the place. I have plenty of questions from people who have read your threads and and your books. Let me just, again, put things in perspective. I'm going to read a portion of, of your thread that's out there. Quote, once upon a time, I was in the United States Army. And I not only saw alien spaceships, but I was in one. Inside the ships is real life Alice in Wonderland stuff. Distinguishing what is real or imaginary is impossible. It's another dimension like the twilight zone. Perhaps everything is real, but while inside the ship, the atmosphere is like a drug-induced experience and difficult to differentiate between reality and imaginary. The minute you step out of the craft, the mind goes back to normal. So again, to put the skepticism to rest, how are you certain this was not a dream perhaps drug induced mind control, or anything else the military may have tested on you
1: well, the military certainly does a lot of that, and I was aware of it. But the thing is, I was in these situations for years, way before I went into the military, so it wasn 't like I went into the military; they started experimenting on me and and making me hallucinated with with these alien beings and what have you. Right. It, when I was in the military, it was not like a big shock. You know, I, I, I was kind of still accustomed to what was going on in my background. I was not aware of everything because they, you know, to to keep you where they keep you, you can't be running around talking about stuff
0: like this. So, when you say they who who blocked your memory, the military or the aliens? No, the 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 people who brought me here,
1: the Okay. So-called aliens. Yeah, uh, l- the military basically I was kind of a curiosity. They they didn't know if I was a human or an alien. They didn't really mess with me. They just kind of watched me to see if I was going to reveal certain things about the ship. Curiously, I I was kind of curious about them, too. I mean, they had access to the ship. They were in the ship, but they knew very little about this particular ship. I don't know how many ships they were familiar with. I'm not even sure why I was in there with them, but there were times that uh, we were in there together. We didn't communicate. They did their thing, and, and I
0: did mine. Almost like business. Don't talk just to your job. Basically, yeah. So let me ask you, when you joined the military, did you disclose to them this? Did they find out, or did they trace this back to your early childhood? And the reason why I say this, I've had people on, like Sergeant Clifford Stone, who had the military observing him, From an early point in life, where they suspected that he would be telepathic, and eventually was exposed to alien technology, crash retrievals, etc. In your case, how did that happen? How did that transcend with the military observing you before you joined? They
1: knew about me way before I was in the military. I'm probably,
0: I'm sure they even knew from day one that I came on this planet. So when you joined the military. I would presume that not that you received different treatment as any other private would when they joined, but tell us about the transition from, from private life to, to military life and what happened the first, well, you were there for three years. Am I right? Right. Okay. Tell us about your experience with the military.
1: Well, you know, my military career was as normal as, as the next guy. I mean, I had military, you know, went through basic training then I went through other types of training. I um, I trained uh, as an electronic specialist. I trained uh, in, uh, I was with an army unit. I was the tank driver. I was in uh, medical supplies. Why they put me in so many different, of course, that was not necessarily unusual. Many military people get training in many different fields. mm mm-hmm. Um, What was the question
0: again? No, just uh, I wanted to see what uh, your experience in the military was.
3: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com.